Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We are so blessed that you are joining us for part three of what turned out to be a great three-part interview discussing all things about cryptocurrency for Christians today with our very special guest, Jeremy Britton. The information Jeremy has been sharing with us is so vital today. I want to make sure you have every opportunity to take advantage of what Jeremy's been sharing with us. So if you missed either of the prior two episodes, go back, listen, and catch up. The value bombs Jeremy was sharing are so important for Christians in their finances today that you do not want to miss this, okay? Amen. Now, just go back and catch up. That's all I can tell you to do. Now, let's jump back into the conclusion of this very important interview with Jeremy Britton. You know, in your book, Who's Taking Your Money? You provide some biblical quotes and, and things like that, biblical principles on creating wealth. Does the cryptocurrency align with spiritual values in the case of various governments planning on, you know, you hear them talking about planning on launching their own cryptocurrency. I mean, is this a, a bad thing? Because I'm I'm thinking right now they'll be able to trace, you know, every purchase you make, you know, for a bottle mm-hmm. of water at the store and things like that. And worst case scenario, they could actually turn off your access to your, yeah, your money that's on true. this, right? Uh, does that kind of outline the mark of the beast scenario? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'd, I'd say it's the mark of the beast. It could be the mark of a a government overreach. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if you've got any listeners who are from you know, communist China, but over there they have their social credit system. Yep. They have facial okay. recognition cameras everywhere. Yeah. So if you drive through a red light, the camera will take your picture, recognise who you are, and it will deduct the fine out of your bank. If you drop litter in the street, the camera will pick up that it's you and they'll deduct money out of your bank account. Mm. So it's it's kind of scary, um, particularly like, I mean, I'm sure you, you've never run a red light in your life. No, but, you know, I used if to be a police if I'm, officer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been, you know, back in, back in the day when I was doing a lot of hours and driving four hours to see a client and things like that, I would occasionally go over the speed limit, right? You know, because you're just like in the zone and you forget yep. and you're not watching. Go over the speed limit. In my country, you'll get a ticket in the mail and you've got four weeks to pay. So you know you can save up for it and you're not going to miss out on food that week. But in, in the country, in, in China, where they just take the money straight out of your bank account, you might not have no food for that week, you know. Mm. Um, so I think central bank-controlled digital currencies can lend themselves to a sort of abuse like that. Yeah. Um, we've even seen that in the States with the civil asset forfeiture laws. You know, if, you, if you're driving to Canada because you just found some guy who's selling a half-price Lamborghini and you want to drive there and pay cash for it and pick it up, you know, if you're caught with cash and you can't explain how you got $100,000 in cash, the police can take that. If you're caught driving the Lamborghini and you haven't managed to put the registration into your name there because you haven't got to the registration, they can take that from you. 
So there's there's some laws there that do allow for some bad people in government positions to be actually doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I don't want to be tracked. I mean, right now, you know, you can pay cash for things. They can't track the cash because cash is the same everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can tap my card and I know that the credit card company might be selling my information to someone. So I've, if I've just bought, you know, three books in the Harry Potter series, they're probably going to start sending me ads for the fourth book or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know how the data scraping works. Yeah, Facebook yeah. always seems to know what you're up to. Google always they seems sure to know do. what you're up to and gives you the ads. So central bank digital currencies do worry me a little bit because they have the potential to be misused, Uh, whereas, you know, Bitcoin is more like trading in gold or trading in cash. It's untraceable, but it's also instant. Instead of sending the fax or instead of sending a letter through the mail, you're literally emailing value to someone. So, yeah, they, they worry me a bit. Um, and then there's this talk of, of Apple and, and Google and Facebook bringing out their own currencies, which yeah. they could do. I mean, Apple is, would love to be a bank because mm-hmm. banks make a lot more money than, than tech companies and their product is just pushing bits of paper around. They don't even have to ship you a computer. So okay. Apple would love to be a bank. And I'm like, well, do I trust Apple with all of my, you know, my, pass, <laughs> my passport number and my date of birth and all that sort of stuff? Because what if someone hacks in there? What if someone misuses that? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think there's market to, to use multiple different currencies. Um, and one might be like a central bank digital currency and you might have a bit of Bitcoin and you might have a bit of Ethereum or a bit of, a bit of secret coin or something like that where you can hide your identity if you want to. You know, not necessarily because you're doing something bad, but maybe you're doing something that you just don't want other people to know about because right. it's none of their damn business. Yeah, amen. amen. So. You know, you also said in your book, banks are good if you own them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Share about that. <laughs> um, yeah, again, I mean, back back in the day, you know, you, you could put $100,000 in the, in the bank and you would get like 5% a year. Um, that was sort of reasonable. I mean, when, when my folks retired back in the was it, late 90s, early 2000s, like, you know, they could, like, they could put a million dollars in cash deposit, 5% a year, they'd get $50,000 a year. That was enough for them to live on. But then interest rates have been going down. And at the same time, the profits have been going up at the banks. So, you know, rather than putting cash in the bank, I was, I was recommending people buy stock in the bank. If you trust that bank to hold your cash, whether it's 100000 or 10000 or 1000 if you trust that bank to hold your cash, you're probably thinking in the back of your head, they won't go broke next Tuesday. Mm. And if you're thinking they're not going to go broke next Tuesday, maybe actually buy some of the stock in the bank. And I also recommend that people have stock. You know, if you're paying you know, your, your utilities, if you're paying the power company or the water company, or if you're paying, I don't know, where you get your pharmaceuticals from, where you get your groceries from, have a That's look. True. If you can buy stock in that company, because you're supporting them with your money. They're making profit on the money. And this is literally how you get some of that money back. Amen. You know? That's good. Uh, That's good. Amen. You also go over in your book, The Three Rules of a True Investment. Can you share those with us? Oh, geez, you take me back now, man. That book was 10, 26 years ago. <laughs> oh, not, oh, 16 years ago. Um, okay. So the investment. Um, crikey. If you, if you quiz me on the four the four rules of the cryptocurrency, I'll be able to do that off the top of my okay, head. Okay, we'll do that. I'll, I'll, do the four rules of the cryptocurrency then. Yeah. Given so I, many I talks on that. Free investment's got to bring you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's just stretching the mind back. Listen, listen, <laughs> reciting song lyrics from 25 years ago. Um, investment's got to add, got to go up in value. It's also going to bring you an income. So that, that's, that's two. That's two important things. 
So, you know, people buy a block of land and that's great. It may go up in value over time, but it doesn't bring you an income. Um, and it's got to be easy to sell. That's the third one. So you can have like beanie babies or you can have crypto kitties or, or this sort of stuff. You can have, I don't know, some obscure book that no one's ever heard of. And it might be worth thousands of dollars to you. But if you can't sell it to someone else, then it's not really an investment. Um, some of these people selling these NFTs, like these digital artworks, and go, well, yeah, sure. You you say you paid $10,000 for it and now it's worth a million, but I'm not going to pay that money for it. You know? <laughs> exactly. uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't bring an income, right? So instead of having the vacant block of land and saying it's worth value, stick a house on it or rent it out to someone who's got horses or sheep that needs, mm -hmm. that needs crazy land. So you've got an income. And obviously land is land is land. It's the same around the world. Someone will buy that from you. Um, and it might be up or down in value. Like, like we were saying before, you know, stocks can go down. But even when the Apple stocks were going down by 60 or 80%, you could still sell them. You, you wouldn't get top dollar for them, but you could still sell them if you needed your money back in an emergency. So that's an important thing to think about with liquidity, and that's important for crypto as well. So I, I know there's, there's people out there. I saw one guy on YouTube, and he, he launched his own coin. He just made it up uh, because Elon Musk tweeted, if there's ever a scandal about me, they should call it Elon Gate. And obviously, elongate, right? So stretching. It's just a funny word, elongate. So this kid made a coin called elongate. It took him a couple of hours on his computer. There was nothing backing it. It didn't do anything. And then thousands of people started buying this coin from this kid. And he made about $6 million within a couple of days. Oh, man. But there's, there's no sustainability to that. And the people who tried to sell that coin to someone else, forget about it. You know, I can sell my Apple stock today or I can sell it in 10 years' time and I know that there's going to be a buyer both times. Same as if I wanted to sell my house or the block of land. You can sell that anytime, sell gold. But no one's going to even remember Elon Gate in 10 years' time and possibly not even tomorrow. So that kid was worth allegedly $6 million for one day. But then if he wanted to try and offload his stuff, who's going to buy it? Right. So Amen. look at the liquidity of whatever you're actually investing into, whether it's crypto, stocks, whatever. Uh, but the four, the four things we go through on Krillionaire.com, and if, you, if you're playing at home, you've got a notepad, just write, write down the word coin vertically down your page, C-O-I-N. This is what the billion-dollar billion hedge fund guys do, okay? Take it from me. So first thing we look at, it's just a filtering process because there's 21,000 coins. How do you choose the best one? So the first one is C is for the C-suite. So we look at the CEO, we look at the CFO, we look at the CMO, the, the guys with a C in front of their name and say, okay, how long have they been working on this project? Have they worked on similar projects before? Again, because cryptocurrency is new. It's only been around for a couple of years. Um, they could come up with some new invention and say it's going to be the, you know, the new Uber, but if they've never worked in one of those ride-sharing industries before, you want to check out and find out what's their experience. Do they know what they're doing? You know, have they got 15 undischarged bankruptcies or criminal convictions? Because there are some shady operators in stocks as, as well as in crypto. So we check out that, okay? And assuming that they guys who are running the place know what they're doing and have experience in that, give it a tick, right? You can check them out on LinkedIn. Anybody can pretend to be anybody online, uh, yeah. but LinkedIn is verified. Facebook is not. So you can search for the project on, on LinkedIn and see if the person actually works there or if it's just a fake name and a fake photo. So check the C-suite. Make sure you get a tick there. Then the O is for the offering. So what does it actually do? The Elon Gate coin does nothing, right? Worthless. You know, what does Apple do? Apple makes computers and little gadgets that people like, right? What does, I don't know, what does Netflix do? It's stream services. So these guys have got a business. They've got a functioning business. Whether it's profitable or not, it actually does something. 
What does Bitcoin do? Well, it's a store of value. It's pseudo-anonymous, and it allows me to send money anywhere in the world at the touch of a button instantly, 24 hours a day, without affecting public holidays or weekends or whatever. So it's bankless transfer. What does Ethereum do? Well, Ethereum's more like a global network of computer systems, kind of like the internet. You can build things on top of it. You can make smart contracts. You can make other coins and things like that. But everyone has to pay a little bit of Ethereum as a fee. So Ethereum is not limited in supply. Unlike Bitcoin, you can print more Ethereum. Um, but it's kind of like the same as saying, yeah, you can make more oil. Of course, we can make more oil out of biofuels and things like that. But it, it gets to an upper limit. So oil, oil usually holds its value because it's something that's more consumed than it is produced. And same thing with Ethereum. Um, and and I'm, I'm just using these comparisons so people can compare them to what they already know. We know what oil does. We know what gold does. Uh, and there's other things, like I mentioned before, power ledger, that actually, you know, I've, I've got solar panels on my roof. And when I'm generating power, too much power, because my kids don't live at home anymore, and I'm generating too much power, it sells power back to the grid for 10 cents. All right? That's what I get is 10 cents. When I want to buy power at nighttime, it costs me 30 cents. So the power company is making a lot of money. And the guys at PowerLedger said, wouldn't it be great if we had this peer-to-peer -peer system? Because everyone's connected to the internet. Everyone's connected to the electricity system. It's like eBay. What if you could sell your excess power to your neighbour? And he'll pay you 15 cents. And you go, that's great because that's more than 10. And he thinks 15 cents is great because it's better than paying the power company 30 cents. <laughs> so they set up this network where you can share power peer-to-peer. It actually does something. It's valuable, and that's a great offering. So if the offering is good, the company is going to make money and the coin is going to do well. If the offering is just like, oh, yeah, we draw pictures of funny little apes smoking cigars, forget about it. It doesn't do anything for anybody. Right? Um, I Next one is the investors. So you want to look at who's actually buying into this thing. And oftentimes you'll see the people on YouTube or TikTok, the 22-year-old going, oh, this one's going to the moon and this is going to be great. This is like you're a 22-year-old kid. What the hell do you know? Um, <laughs> one of the first investors into Power Ledger was Sir Richard Branson. Uh, Richard Branson's got his private island, Necker Island, and he's one of these hippy-dippy environmental people. He's got mm -hmm. solar panels all over that island, and oftentimes when there's no one staying there, he's generating more power than what he needs. So he looked at this project and went, good project, I'm in. Um, but obviously he's got a team of analysts. He can employ all these people to look into it. So I can look into it, you know, I can do all the research on the internet, but I'm sure Richard Branson does more research. <laughs> so if the early investors are more akin to billionaires and, and hedge fund managers and not 22-year-old kids, it's probably going to be a good investment. So, again, checking that. You can get two ticks on the first two, and then if there's no one investing into it, there's probably a reason why. Mm -hmm. And last, lastly, we come to N for network. And this comes down to, yeah, there's, there's people investing into this thing. That's right. It's got three ticks. But ultimately, you know, once this thing's gone up 100 times or 10,000 times or whatever, I'll want to sell it. And there needs to be a network of people who are passionate about the project, who love the project and will buy. So if we look at, say, Tesla or Apple, for an example, there's people out there who just absolutely love those companies, absolutely love them. And if you wanted to sell your, your Tesla shares or your Apple shares in five years' time or two days' time, you'd be pretty confident there's a big network of people because there's always people talking about those brands all the time. Right. So to check yeah. the network, you can have a, have a Google search and find out, like, check them out on Twitter. Who's talking about these? Who's searching for this company? Who's searching for their solution? 
because I want to know there's a strong network there that are actually going to continue to buy these these coins and drive the price up, but also buy the buy the coins when I want to sell. Yeah. So it's it's I, I took longer to explain it than it takes to do. <laughs> um, it's a four step process. That's the one we've been using for eight years. And as I say, we've Amen. You know, six times we've made more than ten thousand percent. Yeah. A lot of other times we go, oh look, we only made five hundred percent on that one. We only made eight hundred and sixty percent on that one. Oh but, man, yeah. yeah. It wasn't as good as we thought, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still good, and we haven't we haven't got any that went to zero. So Praise happy God. about it. Amen, amen. You know, I love the example in your book uh, about passing the money around the circle. You know, mm. the, the flow of money. Can you briefly go over that lesson as we we're getting ready to wrap all this up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, God makes everybody unique and special, and we're all valuable. Um, and you know, a life is a life is a life. You know, we're all, we're all precious, but some of us get paid like five dollars an hour, and some of us get paid five thousand dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the value. So, like, we we look at the world economy; it's like really complicated, with a lot of moving parts. But it's it's literally as as silly as getting three or four people in a room and saying, you know, I want to drive down the road, so I'll pass one dollar to the Uber driver. You're the Uber driver. And then the Uber driver wants to buy a hot dog, so he passes $1 to the hot dog guy. And then the hot dog guy wants to buy something of, of what I sell, so he passes the dollar to me. And the same dollar can keep going around the system all day long, forwards and backwards, and that's fine. Um, and that's that's literally how the economy works. It's just, you know, value being passed from one to the other. But if the Uber driver then says, hey, I'm quitting Uber driving and I want to go and study to be a lawyer, and you go, okay, well... Now, that's obviously a bigger skill. He brings more value. So now instead of passing him a dollar to drive, drive me down the road, I'm going to have to pass him several hundred dollars for his expert advice. And if you decide that you're going to become, I don't know, a brain surgeon, <laughs> then you're going to be past you know, $10,000 at a time. So by adding more value to the circle, you can increase the speed and the flow of the money towards you. But that's when we start to expand out because – you know, not everybody in that circle needs a brain surgeon, but there's thousands of people who do. So it's it's always about what you bring to the table, what you give, and you give in value. So you know, when I when I first started out, um, I didn't have a lot of money to give away. Like there were some people in my church who were giving a lot of money to, to charities and causes and things like that, and I literally barely had enough to feed myself. But I had plenty of spare time because when I first started my business, I obviously wasn't very busy. So I could volunteer and I could go and help out in schools and teach kids the skills that I wish I had at their age, teach them how to be an entrepreneur rather than an employee. Teach them there's, there's two paths in life and you can, you can choose either one that, that you like. Nothing wrong with either path. It's just being aware that there is two paths so that you can choose one. So I, I would give my time. I would add value in that way because I really felt for, like, you know, 16, 17-year-old me, I wish I had known oh, hey, when man. I was at school yeah. me too. that I didn't just have to get a job. And so I was giving my time to these kids and helping these kids out. What I didn't realise is God's always watching, right? And, you know, when, you, when you're starting your business and financial planning business, your key demographic is the people who are, like, 35 to 55 years old because they're the ones who are starting to settle down, buy houses and buy stocks and shares and plan for retirement, right? It's not 22-year-olds don't come and invest with you. Right. So that was my target market. Here was I spending all my day talking to 16, 17-year-olds and helping them out. But guess what? They would go home and they'd tell their parents, hey, instead of class today, the teacher actually let this guy come in and he talked to us about starting a business and investing because in, yeah, there's no age limit. You can buy stocks when you're 10 years old, right? Yeah. 
And if someone teaches you that you can and teaches you how, like supporting the companies that you're already paying money to, yeah. these kids would go home and tell their parents. And the parents would ring me and say, my son's asking me questions about stocks and shares. My son's asking me questions about business. Can I come and deal with you? You know, and I'd go, wow. So I was, I was adding value yeah. just because I could. I didn't realize there was going to be this, this backdoor benefit. It's always whatever you send out comes back to you. And if it's not if it's not dollars, it's it's time or love or grace or whatever you whatever you have, whatever you have an abundance of, yeah. someone else doesn't. Now Amen. give that and and watch what comes back. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And and it it's biblical. So and you yeah. shall reap. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Let, let's shift gears one more time. Tell us about the nonprofit that you organized that is making a big difference in these emerging con- economies. <coughs> uh yeah, that's that's something we've done for many years. Um, I've, I've actually had the, the privilege of, of traveling to some of these countries as well and, and meeting some of the people. And again, like I didn't learn about business. I didn't learn about stocks and shares when I was going through my schooling. And I received my entrepreneurial education after I left school, after I left home and started to mix in different circles. So it's, all, it's always been something that I'm passionate about. Obviously, I could go and volunteer at local high schools around, you know, within an hour's drive of my house, but I couldn't fly to Africa and, and that sort of stuff. And Zoom calls weren't even a thing back then. Um, there's one school in Africa where they had two classrooms, but they only had one blackboard, and they'd wheel the blackboard from one room into the next, and the teacher would be writing on the, on the blackboard with chalk, and all the children would be writing on the floor in the dirt with their fingers because they didn't have school supplies. And we just said to these guys, hey, sure, you want money, you want more school supplies and, and that sort of stuff, and a lot of the kids are food insecure. We'll provide that, however... We want you to teach these kids entrepreneurial skills so they can have a sustainable thing. So they're not going out with their resume when they're 18 and saying, please, Mr. Businessman, give me a job. Mm-hmm. They're going out when they're 13, 14, 15. They're finding things they can do. Like they can walk dogs. They can wash dogs. They can, you know, clean cars. They can do whatever yeah. and start little businesses. And then they don't have to be reliant on someone else. Mm-hmm. And you can start as many businesses as you like, as many businesses as you can because you usually can only work one or two jobs. Yeah. So Amen. that that was our deal is entrepreneurial education. We'll Amazing. feed more of these kids. And obviously the more the more we give, the more we get, and then the more we can give again. So, yeah, first, first couple of years we would have sponsored maybe 15, 20 people. Mm-hmm. And over the years that sort of ballooned out to us now, now more than 200,000. Praise the so. Lord. Hey, man, that's awesome. And also tell us about your coaching pro- program, 24-Hour Wealth Coach. Uh, yeah, that was that's based on on the business where I, I, I slashed my working hours. Um, so I, I was literally working twenty four hours a week, and so like you know nine till three Monday to Thursday, and didn't work Fridays because I didn't want to. I wanted to spend as much time as I could with the kids and have some time for myself and my partner. And I was telling a lot of people I was working at a twenty four hour week instead of a seventy eighty hour week, and they go, "That's amazing! How did you do that?" And after you explain it five times to five different people, you go, you know what? I should probably write this down, make some videos, and teach people yeah. how I was doing what I was doing. Amen. And yeah, th- these days, like we're all connected on the internet, so you can have an assistant who you pay like a couple of dollars because they're living in a third world country where a couple of dollars a day is enough for them to live on. Mm-hmm. So, and if you want to give them a bonus, you can obviously give them a bonus, but. But you don't need to be a huge business to have five staff these days. You can be very small operating from your bedroom and you can employ people in other countries. So the 
outsourcing the things that I wasn't good at. I didn't answer the phones. I didn't answer the emails. You know, I just sat down and talked to the clients. Mm. The rest of the stuff was outsourced to someone else who could actually do it cheaper, quicker, better, faster than me and for like 2 or $3 an hour. So working 24 hours a week, I, people started to ask me, how do you do that? And I'm like, oh, here's how you do it. It gives you a lot of free time. And as I said, like when, when my competitor came in and said, hey, I want to buy your business, because he could see, like he already had a business that he was working like 40 hours a week in. He could see that he could run my business like that because it only took a few hours a day. Whereas if I was working 50 hours a week and he's working 40 hours a week, there's no way he's going to be able to buy my business and run my business. So by making a lifestyle business, um, it becomes very attractive to someone else who wants to buy it. And it's also very attractive to someone who wants to deal with you because you tend to be the guy walking around with a big smile on your face, whereas (laughs) the other people working 70, 80 hours a week, and I was one of them, look miserable and tired and unhealthy. That's right. Most of the time. And, and can you, you do, do this? No, I don't have time. I don't have time. To yeah, do yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Jeremy, this has been a fascinating interview. I mean, you've opened my eyes to some things I didn't know, you know, not just about cryptocurrency, but other things as well. And I know you've done that for a lot of our listeners right now as well. If someone had a question or wanted to get more information on your organization or your coaching program, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Yeah, I, I'd say everybody jump onto, onto krillionaire.com. That's where you'll find out how to do the crypto yourself if you want to. Once you've read through three or four pages of that, you'll pretty well decide whether you want to or whether you don't. Like it's like reading the instruction manual for your car and then you go, you know what, I don't want to change the oil, right? It's going to take me more than an hour. I'm going to get dirty, right? Um, So jump onto there. Obviously, you can find me at bostontrading.co is where we actually do the the, the paid do-it-for-you service rather than the do-it-yourself service. And, yeah, I, I just, I'm still running a 24-hour-a-week business. Um, Amen. Still, still pretty crazy. And I've, I've been doing that. Every business that I've had since then has been one that I can run in a few hours a day and, and employ other people to do the things that I don't like to do. Yeah. So right now there's someone answering my phone calls and my emails for me in a foreign country, so I don't need to do Amen. that stuff. <laughs> and I can just I can spend time with you guys. Um, you so, yeah, yeah. Get, get in contact. If you've got any questions, a lot of what I do has already been asked before. So I can give you the frequently asked questions. I can send you a free book or I can, I can send you in the direction of one of the, the hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos that I've done. Uh, and if you ask me a question that I haven't been asked before, then guess what? You're going to be the star of my next video because I do frequently <laughs> asked questions. And if someone yeah, asks, right. if you ask me a question I've never been asked before, there's probably someone else who would benefit from hearing that as well. So, yeah, yeah try and start them. Amen. And, and how can someone purchase your book, Who's Taking Your Money, How to Get Some of It Back? Uh, you'll find that you'll find that on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I think it's uh, like under under five dollars. It's probably like three or four dollars at the moment. But if you go to bostontrading.co and you sign up for the free crypto newsletter, then I'll actually send you the stock market book. Oh, for the Lord. Amen. There you go, folks. Amen. You know, as we started the program, crypto is this mysterious new thing that's becoming popular, but it's actually been around a little while. But the thing yeah. is, they've had some bad raps lately because it is called decentralized finance, as Jeremy explained. But the thing is, if you do your research, as he said, and you find someone that has been doing this without all the uh, scandal behind it, I guess you could say, that has been around a while, like you know, in cryptocurrency, they've been around a year in this market. They're doing something right, probably right now, because uh, it's been pretty rough. I, I, I'm following a lot of cryptocurrencies and. They've been around six months and now they don't even answer emails anymore. You know, 
but you know, to be around six, seven years doing this stuff, Jeremy's on the right track, folks. So if you have a question, reach out to him, drop down the show notes, click the links right there, click the link, order his book. Praise God. Join that, that, uh, uh, 24 wealth, uh, coach.com join that get the book. Praise God. This is information that will help you overcome the economy we're going through right now as we come out the other side. I mean, it, it, you heard him talk about how things go in four-year cycles. We're a good 18 months into this cycle now. Yeah, 12 months for sure, closer to 18 months. But, you know, it will, you know, as, as the Bible says, it too shall come to pass. Okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Jeremy, I appreciate your time joining us today, man. It's been great. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Pastor Bob. Great talking to you, man. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Jeremy Britton, myself, it's Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.